O Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We are here for your glory. Glorify your name. Show us your glory. Show us your power. Show us your mercy. Show us your grace. Show us your love. That we may gaze upon your beauty. Manifest your presence among us. And let your kingdom come. And your will be done. On earth that is in heaven. In every heart. In every home. Through every hand right now. Oh Lord give us ears to hear. Your word to us today. Say words that only you can say. Words that refresh us. Words that comfort us. Words that break us. Words that convict us. Words that build us. And strengthen us. And unite us. In Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to respond in faith today. Holy Spirit, guard my mouth from error. Jesus, say what you once said to your church today. That even though as we just sung, though the night is dark, we can know afresh we are not forsaken. For by our side, our Savior, Jesus Christ, you will stay. And so because of that, we can labor on in your power, yet in our weakness yet with rejoicing, knowing that in our need, your power is displayed. So display your power today through your servant here. Display your power through my weakness and inability to convince a mind, to transform a heart, or to change a life. Demonstrate your power through my weakness today. And Jesus Christ, get all the glory. In your magnificent name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 14, verses 8 to 14. John 14, 8 to 14. And again, another special happy Mother's Day to all of the ladies in our church. We are so thankful for you. We love you so much. And we celebrate each and every single one of you today. Praise the Lord. John 14, 8 to 14. The title of this morning's message is... Confident on mission. Confident on mission. Hey, let me ask you a question, church. Are you living out the mission of God with confidence in Jesus today? Are you living out the mission of God with confidence in Jesus today? Notice what I didn't say. Not in confidence in yourself in your ability to do things, in your ability to save or sanctify a life. Not living out your mission with confidence in you know, what you can see or not see happening around you. Not basing your confidence on that. No, no, no. But are you living out the mission of God with confidence in Jesus today? In his power, in who he is in his plans, in his purposes, that he is still making disciples. He is still building his church and he is still advancing his kingdom for his glory. Are you living out the mission of God with confidence in him today? You see, this world has turned upside down, hasn't it? Last year, this world turned upside down and we're still in the throes of that. Pandemics, Lockdowns, instability, and the accompanying weariness and fatigue that come, can come from that. The uncertainty, the confusion surrounding that. This world was thrown upside down even in how ministry, how we do ministry has needed to look differently. I'm preaching 
to you right now on a screen, not in person. It looks differently. And the problem that we face today is unbelief. It can creep in so subtly. See, we easily, we easily, in light of our circumstances, we can so easily begin to forget that Jesus knew this would happen. Can we be reminded of that today? Jesus knew 2020. Jesus knew COVID-19. Jesus knew the lockdowns would happen. And we can easily forget that and begin to doubt that he has equipped us. Be encouraged with this today. He has equipped us to live on mission for him right now. And we can be confident in it that he will advance his kingdom as we follow him. And you see, as a result of our unbelief, here's what happens. It happens so subtly. We can lose our confidence in Christ. And when we lose our confidence in Christ, this is a big one, we lose our expectation of Christ. We lose our expectation of Christ to be working powerfully in the situations that we come in, to be working powerfully through an online service, to be working powerfully through just a brief opportunity to have to share the gospel or in a small group or on a prayer night or in a training, whatever it is, or through a phone call. We can lose our expectation as somehow it's, well, it's not really like, yeah, it's not ideal. And I get that it's not ideal, but God is not bound. Praise the Lord. And we can lose our expectancy that even in that call, even in that email, whatever it is, that Jesus won't somehow be working to advance that for his glory. And then when we lose our expectation, we lose our initiative for Christ. Our initiative to press into him individually, to cling to his word, to gaze upon his beauty and and behold him each day. And we lose our initiative corporately to reach out to those around us and to gather together in the opportunities that he's still given us to meet together. And then we lose the initiative to the world as witnesses for Christ. But I want to encourage us today. I want to encourage us today with this, that Jesus calls us to live with confidence on mission in him today. Confidence in him on mission today. Here it is. You see it on the screen. John 14. And watch this. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You think the mission's derailed? You think I can't be working? No, 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 no. Let not your hearts be troubled. It looks different. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe. Believe. That means have your confidence in me. Hold fast. Absolute trust in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If I could sum it up, I'd say it this way. Faith in Jesus fuels confidence to live on mission for Jesus. Faith in Jesus fuels confidence to live on mission for Jesus. And here in our text today, Jesus says, if you are going to live confidently day by day, moment by moment on mission for me, and if you are to live day by day seeing my kingdom advance, no matter what situation you're facing, no matter what things look like around you, these are two essential things you must believe about me. These are two essential things you must set your confidence in, your absolute trust in, and live by faith from them in my 
power if we are to live with confidence on mission for him today. Ready? The mission hasn't stopped. Let's grab our Bibles. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word as we read together John chapter 14, verses 8 to 14. Let's read. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Awesome. Hear the word of the Lord. And all those people said, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. Well, to live with confidence on mission for Jesus, first thing we see is this, you must believe who he is. You must believe in who he is. Who is he? God Almighty. You see, Jesus has proved he is God and has all authority. Amen. But will you believe in him? Will you believe in him? Let's get our context. Here we are. It's Jerusalem. It's the Passover week, and it's the Thursday night, the last week of Jesus' life, Thursday night, in the upper room, and Jesus is having his last supper with the disciples. And remember, Judas has left. Judas has left, chapter 13. And Jesus now, the events are in motion. Judas is going to the religious leaders, and Jesus just hours away from his arrest, and then subsequently his trial and crucifixion on the Friday. Now remember, this passage of scripture is called the Farewell Discourse. Farewell Discourse up to the end of chapter 17. Now, what's the purpose? You'll see it again, so important. To prepare the disciples. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death and resurrection and preparing them for how to live faithfully, here it is, on mission for him after his departure. Now, I want you to recall something from last week. The disciples, remember how they're feeling? They're feeling distressed. They're feeling anxious. They're feeling fearful. They're confused right now. Does that describe any of us today? Anxious, confused, fearful. Why? Because Jesus has told them that he is leaving them. In chapter 13, verse 33, they're still hung up on that. They're just like, what does this mean? See, Jesus right now, as a result in chapter 14, here's what he's doing. He knows they're discouraged. So he's offering them encouragement, hope, and comfort, and seeking to deepen their faith in him, just like he is in you and I today. And so that's why he starts out John chapter 14, verse 1, and the rest of the whole chapter unpacks this, when he says, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. And everything he's doing is flowing out of that going after the root of unbelief in their hearts. 
Because that same root of unbelief you and I face today is what Jesus is confronting. Why? Because their lives are about to be uprooted. Have any of you felt like your lives been uprooted this past year? Same with the disciples right now. Jesus knows their lives are about to be uprooted. And living out the mission of God and the ministry that he has entrusted them with was about to look a whole lot different than they had known before. Does that sound familiar today? When the ministry looks a whole lot different. Same purpose, same focus, but different form than they had ever known before. Be comforted today. Jesus knows, and he's equipped us for his glory. And as a result of being uprooted and things looking different and things that they've come to know and expect and what ministry should be, as these things are uprooted and they look different, the disciples, like many of us today, will be tempted to doubt. Will be tempted to doubt and lose their confidence in Jesus. And say, well, maybe when things get back to normal, we can do that. And they're tempted. And yet Jesus speaks right into the root of unbelief. Watch this. Verse 8 to 11. Check it out. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me, there's the call to believe again. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe, there it is again, on account of the works themselves. See, recall in verse 7, just before this, Jesus has declared that to know him, to see him, is to know and see God the Father. Ultimately, he's saying to know him, to see him, is to see God himself. This is a massive claim to deity. Jesus is claiming to be God. It's huge. And so Philip kind of gets thrown for a loop here. What he says reveals his misunderstanding of who Jesus was. See, the disciples knew Jesus as a teacher. The disciples knew Jesus as Lord and the Holy One of God, but they didn't understand yet his perfect unity with the Father and the fact that Jesus was God Almighty himself. God Almighty himself. And that in Jesus, they didn't understand this, that in Jesus, God himself had made himself known. Remember John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Jesus, God was revealing himself to the world. And they didn't get all this yet. And so Philip tells Jesus to show them the Father and they're going to believe. They're going to be satisfied. They're just like, show us the proof that what you're saying is true and then I'm all in. Just the same as you and I do today. Lord, show me the physical evidence of what you're saying and then I'll believe. But then in verses 9 to 11, Jesus responds with, a, it's actually a tone of sadness. Sadness, saying, I've been with you for the last three years. I've been with you the last three years, showing you the truth of God all this time. 
the truth of God. I've been teaching you about God's kingdom. I've been teaching you the gospel again and again and again. I've been teaching you about who I am, my identity. And I've been displaying that. I've been displaying God's power through miracle after miracle. And you still don't know who I truly am. And then in verse 10, he goes on to say, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? That means that I'm perfectly one with the Father in perfect unity. This is why John 10, 30, he said, I and the Father are one. Yes, in the Trinity, one God, three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but perfectly united as one. He says, guys, I'm God. I am God Almighty. Therefore, as a result of that, he goes on to say, the words that I speak have all the authority of God. When I speak, it is God speaking. When I work and display power, God is working and displaying his power. See, and then in verse 11, he goes on to say, guys, if you won't believe my words, then believe because of the works that I've done, that God has done. Just look at the proof. Look at the proof. And you may be saying, well, like, what works is he talking about here? Well, the works he's speaking of, there were seven, remember? There's seven signs that Jesus has done that John has written about here. And then that includes also those seven signs, but also all of his other teaching, all of his other works. So here's a snapshot here of what Jesus is speaking of, the seven signs. He says this, turning the water into wine in John 2 as a sign of power over all things. And the sign of healing the official son in John 4. This was a sign of healing that all our true healing is found in him alone. And then his sign of healing the lame man in John 5, which is a sign of his lordship, that Jesus was even lord over the Sabbath, thereby declaring to be God himself, that he is over all things. And then his sign of feeding the 5,000 in Galilee in John 6 as a sign of the satisfaction that is found in him. And then this sign in John 6 where he's walking on water as a sign, a picture of his sovereignty as God over all creation. Man, let that comfort you today. Or he goes on in John 9 with the healing of the blind man as a sign of hope, that all true hope is found in Jesus alone. And if those signs aren't enough, remember John 11, where he raises Lazarus from the dead? That is the sign of life, that eternal life True life is only found in him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God the Father but through him. And this is the purpose of the book of John. John goes on to tell us in John 20, 30 to 31, he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of disciples, not just these seven, but many others as well, which are not written in this book, but these are written. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, there it is again, you may have life, eternal life, in his name. And in fact, John 21, verse 25, the very last verse of the book of John, I love how it finishes, it says this, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did, all his works, were every one of them to be written, 
I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Wow. Awesome. Let not your hearts be troubled. See, Jesus has proved that he is God and has all authority. Will you believe in him? Right now, today. Will you believe in him? That he, as God Almighty, has all power, all authority, all, so all sovereignty, and he cannot be stopped even when living on mission for him is turned on its head. Even when living on mission, as it was about to be for the disciples, as it has been for you and I today, what we've been used to, turned on its head. Will you still believe that Jesus is God Almighty and has all sovereignty and power and authority, even when it's turned on its head and looks different than anything we could have expected? I didn't expect it to look like this, did you? No, no, no. You see... And now for us, will you believe in Jesus, God Almighty, that he's sovereignly at work and he cannot be stopped and his power is enough and overall, listen, listen, when the primary means through which he has called us to minister in this season are, ready? Phone calls, FaceTimes, online services, online small groups, online prayer nights, counseling, training, all online, fellowship primarily online, and outreach. And yes, loved ones, don't get me wrong, yes, we long to be together again. I long for that day greatly, and I pray for that each day. But our challenge today, in the midst of the uprooting, in the midst of it looking differently, is this. Will you believe in him and come hungry? Come hungry and come expectant and confident in him, knowing that he has allowed this for his glory. Just like he's allowing it with the disciples here, it's about to be uprooted, he's allowing that for his glory and for our good, and he will do his work in and through us as we live on mission together and take each opportunity he has given us and use it for the glory of his name in his power. Will you believe? Will you believe in who he is? Brothers and sisters, where do you need to repent? Where do you need to repent of your unbelief in him as Lord? The Lord who is sovereign over this season right now. The Lord who has all authority. The Lord who has all wisdom and whose counsel will stand, and whose purpose shall be accomplished. Isaiah 46. Where do you need to repent in unbelief in Jesus as Lord? In his word. And you've been straying from that and listening to the words of all these other things and placing your hope in them. Where do you need to repent of your unbelief in his ability to save and sanctify and draw people to himself even now. Are we praying over this service? Are we praying over the opportunities we have that God would use them to advance his kingdom for his glory and draw many to himself? His word is not bound. Will you believe? And from the overflow of unbelief, where do you need to repent of your grumbling that ministry things don't look like they used to? 
The disciples were about to be faced with this right now. And we're faced with it today. Where do we need to repent of your apathy in living on mission for him? Your apathy. Well, you know what? We'll pick up the mission when things look, you know, go back to normal and it's more convenient and easier for the loved ones. Where do you need to repent of this? Where is the apathy? So now I'm not going to reach out. Now people should reach out to me. No, I'm not going to try to stay connected. No, I'm not going to make that gathering a priority. No, I'm not going to do Just stop. Where do we need to repent? Maybe even subtly of where our mindset of the mission has been put on hold until things get back to normal. Loved ones, it hasn't. Jesus isn't going to put the mission on hold and everything's about to be uprooted for the disciples. And where do you need to repent and call on him in faith? Increase my faith in you, Lord. See, to live with confidence on mission for Jesus. This is where it starts. You must believe who he is. God Almighty. And our confession of who Jesus is fuels our confidence in living for Jesus. That's where it all starts. You must believe who he is as God Almighty. He's purposed it. He's over it. He's in it. He's leading through it. And from this, here's the overflow of this. We see right here, to live with confidence on mission for Jesus, you must believe not only that he's God Almighty, who he is, but also from that, what he's promised. What has he promised? Greater works. Boom! Greater works. See, Jesus promises greater works for his glory. Yes, even today, church. Jesus promises greater works for his glory. But here again, here's the call. Will you believe in him? Will you believe in him? Look at verses 12 to 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, look at this promise, I will do it. I will do it. You see, Jesus then promises what he would do if they would believe. He says, whoever believes in me. He says, they will not only do the works that he is doing. Did you catch that? But will also do greater works than what he's done before. As he is working in and through his disciples. You see, right here what he's doing, he's offering them comfort. Let it comfort you today. He comforts the disciples by promising the resources to accomplish the mission, even when it doesn't look the same as it used to. When they would be able to minister right beside Jesus and he'd be with them all the time and this is what they're used to and then he's gone. And I was like, what do we do now? It's uprooted. He's giving them the resources to continue to accomplish it in his power. Now, here's something key we have to look at of these two things that Jesus is going to give them. Both of these things are not dependent on external circumstances. The things Jesus is going to provide them with, the resources, are not dependent on what's going on around them. Isn't that a comfort for you and I today? 
They are not dependent on external circumstances. No, no, no. They aren't dependent on that then or today. And you say, well, how are they going to do these greater works? Well, we see two ways. He says, you will do greater works than these. What? By my power. Go back to verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will, look at that, look at that promise, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. You see, Jesus says right here, be encouraged. Greater works will happen. Circle the word will there. How many times did Jesus say will in verses 12 to 14? Just put a circle around them all the time. These are promises right here. You will do greater works. They are going to happen. Why? Because he's going to the Father. That means he is going to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. To take the wrath of God. For the sin that you and I have and we're enslaved to apart from him. He's going to the cross to pay that penalty and he will die and then rise again three days later and ascend to the Father. He's going back to the Father. And he's referring to the truth that he's about to unpack here in verses 15 to 31. I can't wait for that. He's referring to the truth. He's giving them a snapshot of what he's about to unpack in 15 to 31. And he says it's to their advantage that he leaves them because Jesus, do you ever notice this? Jesus in the flesh, Jesus came as fully God and fully man to earth. And as a result, he, he was in one place at one time on earth, right? He was in one place at one time on earth, but, but get this, when he goes back to the Father, he will send the Holy Spirit. There's what he's going to unpack, 15 to 31. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them, to fill them, and to empower them. To empower them to be his witnesses in living on mission for him. And let's take comfort in that. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to empower us right now, even in the pandemics even in the pandemics, even in the stay-at-homes, when it doesn't look the same as it used to. He has sent the Holy Spirit. If you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's the seal. He's the guarantee of your salvation. And he is giving you power to be his witness for his glory. There's your resource. Now, I want to make sure we get some clarity here because it's really important to realize that there's not a competition here. It's not like, okay, we're going to do greater works than Jesus did. No, no, no. He's not talking about a competition between the disciples and Jesus. He's not like competing works. Here was mine, and then the disciples are all there. No, no, no. Notice what he says. Notice what he says. He's not referring to the works being greater in power or being more spectacular. I mean, how do you get more spectacular than raising Lazarus from the dead? Walking on water, healing an official son when you weren't even beside him. You just said the word and the gods. How do you get more spectacular than that? No, no, no. He's not saying you'll do greater works. That means greater power. It's still Jesus's power through his people doing that. It's not you or I. It's him at work in and through us by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying there, it's not greater in power, but it's greater in scope. It's greater in extent. It's greater in worldwide impact. 
okay? He says, you are going to every tribe, every tongue, every nation, all over the world. See, Jesus is not contrasting, there's not a competition between the disciples and Jesus. He's contrasting the works that he did on earth with the works that he will accomplish from heaven. Through his people on earth, it's all Jesus. Say, everyone say, it's all Jesus. That's good news today. So he says, first off, you're going to do them in my power. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and there's going to be a greater extent and scope and worldwide impact. But also says, notice, verses 13 and 14, he says, you'll do greater works through prayer. Through prayer. Look at 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. See, Jesus then promises the disciples they will see him do greater works in them and through them if they ask for them in his name. You see that in verse 14? If they ask for them in his name, that's the condition, the if. Now, I want you to notice something that's so key for us today. Jesus directly connects the success of the mission to prayer. Did you see that? He directly connects the success of the mission to prayer. Hey, by the way, uh, loved ones, May 19th is our next prayer night. Have you signed up yet? Let's go. Let's go. Hear the word of God today. Let's gather together to call on his name. Do not miss that. Sign up right now. Pause this and go sign up. It's going to be a great night. All right. See, now notice Jesus's purpose here in answering prayer. We see this in verse 13. What's the purpose every time Jesus is going to answer a prayer? So that the Father would be glorified. That the Father would be glorified. And the word glorified there means given highest honor. That God would be esteemed, not me, not you, not someone else. That God would be esteemed. That his highest worth would be acknowledged. Not the worth of some earthly possession that we want to have. That God's highest worth would be acknowledged. See, this was Jesus' ultimate purpose. To glorify the Father. It's why he came. It's why he lived a perfect life. It's why he died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin. It's why he rose again and has now ascended to the Father. That God would be glorified. Is that our purpose today? Is that our purpose in prayer? Is that why we're praying? See, let's get some clarity here. Jesus is not saying this. So important, church. Jesus is not saying that we just ask for whatever we feel like to feed our selfish desires and motives. Jesus is not saying, you know, whatever you ask, anything in my name, then I'm going to do it. No, no, no. He's not saying that we can just ask for whatever feeds our own desires, for our own glory, for our, what we think is good for us, for our own comfort, for building our own kingdoms. He's not saying that we can just ask that way and then tack on a in the name of Jesus as some formulaic ending to get what we want. No, 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 hear this. Rather, here's what he's saying. Praying in Jesus' name means three things that we see all throughout Scripture. Number one, 
praying according to Jesus' merit. When we pray in Jesus' name, it means we're praying according to Jesus' merit. I love Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who every respect has been tempted and yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, praying in Jesus' name means praying on Jesus' merit. Praying on Jesus' merit. He is the only high priest who could have gone before us. And based on his finished work on the cross, we can approach God with confidence. It's not based on our worthiness. It's not based on how good we are. It should lead us to humility. It's on his merit, not our own. Secondly, when we pray in Jesus' name, it means we're praying according to Jesus' purpose. So according to Jesus' merit, we approach God, and according to Jesus' purpose. What's Jesus' purpose? You see it there, right in verse 13, the glory of God. And you also see this in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us how to pray. Matthew 6, 9 and 13, he says, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Glorify your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. See, this is a posture of submission, saying, God, you need to be glorified, which means your kingdom needs to come and my kingdom needs to go. Whose glory are we praying for? What purpose are we bringing to prayer? How about you? How about me? See, praying in Jesus' name means praying according to Jesus' merit, according to Jesus' purpose, and then thirdly, we see in Scripture that praying in Jesus' name means praying according to Jesus' will. Praying according to Jesus' will. The obedience to the Word of God. That God is glorified through fulfilling His Word. Look at John 15, 7-8. He makes this so clear. He says, If you abide in me, that means if you remain in me, in my Word, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, what's the, what is the will that we are approaching with in prayer? The word of God. God's word is God's will. Say it with me. God's word is God's will. This is why we don't pray with our Bibles closed. He says, if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. And look, here's the purpose again. By this, my father is glorified. There it is again. The, the purpose is to see God glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, God is glorified by fulfilling his word because it all points to Christ, right? Jesus is the fulfillment of it. And so if we are going to pray God's will, we need to pray God's word, Bibles open, scripture-fed, spirit-led prayers. This is why I love it, our prayer nights. We have our Bibles open. We're praying scripture together. You can do this personally in your in your own God time at home, but especially as we come together corporately in our small groups and prayer night, yes, Lord, according to Jesus's merit, according to Jesus's purpose, and according to Jesus's will. These are the prayers that are made in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus means for the sake of Jesus. These are the prayers that are made in his name 
And that Jesus right here in our text today, John 14, he promises to answer them every time. In his time and in his way. Awesome. But here's the truth we need to recognize from this. You'll see it on the screen. Prayer is never a distraction from the work of mission. Prayer is the greatest work of mission. Notice what Jesus says. He goes, he doesn't say, go and work really hard. I'll give you my spirit. Then just go work really hard. Yes, should we be ready to witness for Christ? Should we be ready to go and follow him? Absolutely. But notice what he connects directly to the success of the mission. Prayer. Prayer is the greatest work of the mission. This is why God says in Isaiah 56, 7, my house shall be a house of programs, a house of what? Prayer. A house of prayer. It's Jesus has outfitted us and given us the resources through prayer to see his kingdom advance for his glory. Next prayer night, May 19th. Let's lock it in. See, and today... We are seeing, even in the midst of this pandemic, we're seeing the greater works of Jesus through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit as, as so much, as so much, we would be tempted to put our confidence in. All these other things we're tempted to put our confidence in are being stripped away in this pandemic. All these other things, we would say, well, this is what ministry should always look like. Listen, listen, listen. Those are good things, but they're being stripped away and Jesus is bringing us Back, He's bringing our dependence back to where it was, must be if we are to live faithfully on mission for him with our confidence in him alone and not those other things. And can I just encourage you? It's been amazing. And maybe many of you have caught glimpses of this. We see his greater works in this church. Lives transformed for his glory. People being saved and an increasing hunger for him and sanctification and service to one another with the opportunities that we have available and the growing unity in the church and a love for Christ and a love for one another, the initiative that more and more people are taking to reach out to others and encourage them in the word of God and in prayer and the fervency of prayer that is increasing in this church and Jesus drawing all kinds of people to himself from every tribe, tongue, and nation. There's the greater scope of the work. And even ministering to other churches through our church here and seeing him. You saw this last week, church plants being planted for the glory of God all over the place. We praise the Lord. You be encouraged today. Let's live on confidence in him on mission today. See, Jesus promised these greater works for his glory. But here's the question. Will you believe in him? Will you believe in him? Will you live with confidence on mission for Jesus, believing who he is as God Almighty and what he's promised, the greater works? You see, here's the truth. You say, yeah, I totally believe. Okay, here's the truth. What you believe is ultimately shown through how you behave. What you believe truly is ultimately shown through how you behave. And you may be sitting there and you say, well, Jesus calls me to this, like, like, and I want it. But how, how can I grow in greater faith in this? Jesus says, believe me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. How do I grow in faith and confidence in Jesus today, right from this text that we see? Well, 
there's four areas, and we're going to go and do application for this one a little bit different. Okay, after I walk through these areas, we're going to take five minutes at the end of the service. You'll see them on the screen. And I want us as a church to quiet ourselves and pray through each of these things. All right, and then we will move into our final worship song. But let's take this time to get real. We don't want to be just hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. Amen? In the power of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be praying for these four things right here. Ready? How do we grow in faith and confidence in Christ on mission? Right here. First off, pray for an increasing a right perspective of God. Ask. Ask for a greater knowing of who Jesus is greater beholding of the truth of who Jesus is, and a greater faith in Jesus as Lord and Messiah, a greater faith in his sovereignty as God Almighty, in his power, in his wisdom, even in these days, in his goodness, in his love, a greater faith in, his, in the truth that he is reigning over all. He has it all in his hands, and he's building his church for his glory. Pray for an increasing eternal perspective with that. All right? So the first thing we pray, if we're going to live with confidence, pray for an increasing right perspective of God. And from that, here it is, we see Jesus for who he is that leads to a right posture before God. Pray for a right posture before God, for increasing humility. If we're grumbling and complaining, we need to repent of that right now. We need to repent of that if things aren't going our way. And we entrust them to the Lord, humble ourselves a heart, a posture of dependency upon him. I'm not going to run to all these other things. Repent of what we're running to. A posture of faith before God, believing in him. Lord, increase my faith and reverence and submission to him. Lord, your kingdom come, my kingdom go. And then we pray from that for a, a fervent pursuit of God, an increasingly fervent pursuit of God personally through his word and in prayer and in worship, making those things a priority, coming expect and say, Lord, it's hard for me to be expectant today. Would you please increase my faith in you and my confidence that you will use whatever opportunities you put in front of me to grow together. Pray for an increasing fervent pursuit of God in your God time, in the word, through prayer, in worship together, even on Sundays, in prayer nights, in your small groups, all of these things. And walking in obedience, a fervent obedience, urgency, and not letting apathy take root. So four areas we're going to pray for, a right perspective of God, a right posture before God, a fervent pursuit of God, and then that leads to this, a faithful proclamation of God. Pray for a faithful proclamation on our lips and in our lives. You say, what does that look like? Initiative in prayer, taking initiative, living with initiative is living with confidence in the work of Christ. A faithful proclamation in loving one another as Jesus loved us and serving one another. Taking those opportunities you have for fellowship, for a phone call, for a text message, for a video call. See, here's the thing. The mindset of complacency says this. It just focuses on we can't. Well, we can't. Well, we can't gather in person. We can't do that. We can't. Yeah, we get that. But the mindset of complacency stays there. Whereas the mindset of expectancy says, yeah, I can't meet in person right now, but I can pick up the phone. And God will not waste it. He will use it. Yeah, I can't, you know, meet my small group, but I can show up online on Thursday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, whatever your night your small group is. Yeah, okay. 
I can do that. Let's press in with expectancy. His word is not bound. Yeah, you know what? I'm not able to go for that walk in the park right now with my friend, whatever like that. But I can FaceTime them. I can send them that scripture. I can take initiative to stay connected and God will bless it and use it for his glory. And we will see greater works than these because of his power at work in us. So there's a love for one another as Jesus has loved us, but also a love for the lost. Witness in sharing the gospel, taking each opportunity, even though it doesn't look the same. What opportunities do you have? Who has God put right in front of you? Remember, nothing is wasted. All right? Praise the Lord. May we live with confidence in Jesus on mission for him today. Because loved ones, faith in Jesus fuels our confidence to live on mission for Jesus. And he is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen? And Jesus right here has promised to give us all we need for all he's called us to do, even right now in this season. You ready to go? Let's go, Hope Ottawa. Let's go and press into him. So right now, we're going to take the next five minutes. We're going to stop. We're going to be still. And we're going to pray. And we're going to ask him to help us apply this for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. Let's take five and then we'll go to our final worship song.